Good morning. It is a privilege to be here today. And I would like if you would turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, as you go there, I want to take a moment to thank you, especially as a congregation, for the partnership that you have with the Board of Missions. Uh, I am humbled when I realize the wonderful connect that we have uh, with you in particular in support of the the, uh, Board of Missions for my personal support. Some of you are being part of the Collegium family that uh, also support the mission. And you're active, uh, very, very focused desire and passion for the world that it would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, we do not have time this morning for any advertisements at all, but I just want to say if this does not look familiar to you, then you need to pick one up uh, out at the table uh, where the CDs are. Uh, We have daily prayer for our missionary family around the world, and uh, this gives you an opportunity just to see uh, the many, many different kind of ministries that our missionaries are in and uh, get an opportunity uh, to pray for them. And also there is a website on here and you can sign up to receive this prayer on your email every day. And not only do you get the name and the prayer request, but you also get a photograph of our beautiful missionary family and you can begin to connect faces along with the missionaries that you are praying for. Psalm 67 is perhaps one of the most confusing psalms uh, that has been written because there are two different groups within the church that claim this psalm for themselves. There is a wing of the church that really focuses in on the blessings of God. And really teach from the scriptures that the church of Jesus Christ, those who have been redeemed, have an opportunity to receive God's blessing upon them. It's called the prosperity gospel. I think most of us uh, are not going down that road, but we need to understand where this group is coming from. The fact that they're at the very beginning, back when Moses was leading the Israelites, God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to get Aaron, and I want you to teach him a blessing. And I want you to be able to, to teach this to him so that he may uh, begin to bless Israel. And back in the book of Numbers, Moses said, this is what I received from the Lord. And Aaron, you say to your congregation, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. And we begin to see the goodness that the Lord gives his people. The writer of Psalm 67 takes that concept from from the Aaronic uh, blessing that we see in the book of Numbers, and he begins to meditate on this. And he writes a hymn. And he begins with the words, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And we can begin to see 
the error of just taking a portion of God's word and not keeping it within its context. Just last night, I was in the Atlanta airport, and CNN had a special on uh, families who are in trouble uh, in foreclosure. And this time, they were talking about Christians. And they were focusing in on a mentality that many Christians have, that God blesses them. And as they interviewed this family who hadn't paid on their mortgage for over two years... And they showed the house and they were over their head when they purchased that house. And they talked to the daughter of of the man, and I believe he was a pastor. I, I was listening for some flight information, but I believe he was actually a pastor. And the person said to them, well, what's in closet? She says, oh, I love dresses and shoes. And the commentator said, well, how many do you have? Said, oh, probably more than I should. Well, what is your credit card bill? Uh, around 400 a month for her clothing. This is a, I believe, pastor's family. And the uh, commentator said, well, how are you going to get out of this? And he said, we are praying. We are praying. God will take care of this. God will take care of our needs. Psalm 67. God blesses his people. Now there's another wing of the church in which I think I may be in one of those who has a passion for the world. And they also love Psalm 67 because in Psalm 67, it talks about the world worshiping God. A modern writer wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, Brother Packer. It's become the textbook probably in every Christian college uh, and every Christian university and seminary. No missionary would ever go to the field without reading that book. And the concept of that book is it's all about worship. Worship. And we must go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we begin to discuss things like unreached people groups and the unengaged. And one of the frustrations in a congregation like this is we see the call, we see the need, but how in the world would we ever finance that? And so we have a group who sings songs about let the nations be glad, let the people rejoice. And down the heart, oh, how are we ever going to do that? I mean, another part of the church saying, we want God's blessings. Now let's look at this as a complete song. It's a hymn. And it is desirous of the person who wrote this hymn that the choir would sing it with the instruments. And here's how he puts this hymn together. He goes back to the blessing from the book of Numbers. And he says this, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Selah. Now let's be honest. Most of us when we read the Psalms just kind of skip over that word, don't we? 
In fact, there are notes in our Bible that says we don't even know what it means. It could mean this, it could mean that. But we know this much about that ancient word. It was a musical word. And it's very important to this psalm because if you have an introduction to this psalm, you notice that it says it is designed and written for the choir director and the stringed instruments. It is a song. It is a psalm. So the sila becomes very, very important. Now, what could it mean? Well, it could mean interlude. Take a moment and think about this. If in your mind's eye can think of the, the Jewish choir singing these two lines, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then it's just quiet and the instruments quietly play. And we are to think and meditate on what it is to receive blessings from God. We sing many times in a, one of our holiday seasons. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains' majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. If you're a baseball fan, it goes this way in the seventh inning. God bless America, right? Land that I love. And there are those who say, should such things even be in our hymn book? Should we have Thanksgiving, I don't know if you're planning to sing either of these, sing a hymn like this? And the answer is absolutely yes. The Church of Jesus Christ, when everybody else calls it Turkey Day and Football Day, ought to say, this is Thanksgiving. It is a time for us to recognize God's blessings upon us, Selah. Think about it. Think about it. There is most of the world that would laugh at us saying we are in recession. Most of the world would love to be in the recession we are in right now. Even in what we view as the worst of times, and you look at your, your retirements and they seem to have flittered away, and you watch the stock markets and you see the joblessness, and some of you have been caught up in these things and lost your jobs or trying to sell your house and cannot, and you say, woe is us. No, God has shed his blessings upon us. God is good to us, and we ought to stop and think about that. Now, the song goes on, and the question should come up, why would God bless America? Why would God bless us at Cedar Crest? Why has God so graciously blessed my family? Why has God blessed my health why with the nearly 7 billion people on this world has God been so good to me and the choir begins to sing that thy name may be known on the earth 
There is a connection between God blessing us and the passion of God for his world. A distinct connection. Now this part of the saying, if, if our brother Tim was leading the choir, he would go down and see again there's a sila, And this time I believe the sila has a different meaning. Now, this is Weller's translation, so you may take this if you want to or not. But I think Selah can also mean crescendo. And many of the Psalms are what we call Psalms of Ascent. That means it takes an idea and just works on it. Kind of like a cow chewing its cud. And just keeps working it and working it and working it. And building, building, and building it. Psalm 150 is a tremendous example of this. This, I believe, is also part of a psalm of ascent as the writer starts to get excited about the nations. God's blessed us. Why? Why would he bless us? That thy way may be known on the earth, thy salvation among the nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy. Oh, it's a delight to be a believer. I had the opportunity to be at a funeral in Miami yesterday. Funerals in a black church in Miami are different than funerals at Cedarcrest. Way different. They had the choir... And they had the drums, and they had the keyboard, and the choir began to sing. Did I mention they had drums? And they sang and sang, and they filled the church, and people began to clap and praise the Lord, and there were hallelujahs, and there was excitement. This was a funeral. But these were brothers and sisters in the Lord who have a tradition of worship far different than our tradition, who were looking at a pastor of their church who had passed away, and they were joying in the Lord for their salvation because many of them came to know Christ through his ministry and joyed the fact that they could pass that body into heaven. And they were singing, they were praising, they were saying amen, they were raising their hands, and it was, well, a little different than this morning. I had a laugh at you folks this morning. Good Bible Fellowship people. You had a song that said, raise your hand. And I saw you looking around and said, is that figuratively or uh, are we supposed to? And a couple of you, you know, your former pastor one time said, I got so excited one time that I almost raised my hands up to here. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, how different it was at that funeral. My daughter and I wanted to see Westminster Cathedral and we're a little put out the fact that we got there and they're having a service. And it said closed to visitors. So we went up to the, actually a guard at the gate and said, we're, we're going to service. And my daughter looked like, well, what? And we went inside. It was an evening Vesper service. The cathedral was empty, except for about 35 people. And they ushered us up past the pulpit areas, back in the chancel area. And we sat in seats where I saw dignitaries sit at great uh, 
national events that took place in England. And a small remnant of people from London praised God. And it was a delightful, delightful thing. I've been to Nairobi. We're over a thousand people sat in a wonderful auditorium and they worshiped God. Brother Ron was with me. We had a wonderful worship. The interesting thing was there was a thousand more people standing outside waiting to get in and they ushered us out one side as another group came in and it was such a delightful worship. Far different than it was when I was Jason on the Comoros Island. And we waited till dark to climb up into the mountains, into a person's home. And secretly that home was packed in an island which we would call an unreached people group. And they worshipped God far different than any worship that I had ever witnessed before. And I've been on the Kapanaparo River. And worship with believers there far different than the worship that I was in in the Czech Republic. I worshipped with refugees in, in Greece. And I worshipped with our retired brother here uh, from France. And it was interesting to see French believers sitting with French Guadalupians. In different worship styles in the same building. I've been in India with a worship of reconciliation with a a group that was really just being torn apart and got to the place where they began to just write their sins on pieces of paper and they had a fire and began to burn these before they would take communion and saw a wonderful, wonderful act of God in their lives in South Allentown. Why am I saying this? Because every one of those worship styles was different, and I believe a delight to God. The nations are being called to joy and worship and singing because there is a righteous God, a righteous God who desires the nations to worship Him. And the psalmist now has been through two verses. The first verse was simply, why does God bless us? Why does he do that? Some of you have an extra bedroom and you'll take possibly a member of a orchestra or a choir home that does not know Jesus Christ and did you realize that you might have that extra bedroom just so you could sit at dinner that night and share the love of Christ to a man who's going to sing in your church and maybe not know what your church is even all about. That's why he blesses us. The psalm goes on. There's always a verse 3. And it's kind of a conclusion of juxtapositioning this blessing of God that he's put upon us and the nations that he desires to worship him and begins to put together the fact to say, folks, 
You are responsible for the blessings of God. You're responsible for them. You cannot just say, let the nations be glad, amen? But rather, what is the connection between God's blessing upon us as a congregation, upon our resources that we have here, and our personal lives, and all that we have? How does that connect to that? That is the question. And so the Kim writer says to the choir, this is our third verse, and we begin with verse 5. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee, that the, the earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us. And here's their final statement. In order that all the ends of the earth may fear him. There is a connect between this salmon piece of paper and your theme. There is a connect between taking a moment to muse on the blessings of God in your family. God did not give you the position you have at work. God did not give you the business that you run. God did not give you the inheritance that you may have received from your parents. God did not give you the home that you are living in. God did not give you this facility in order that you may spend it on yourselves. C.S. Lewis said this, Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, and you'll get neither. That's pretty profound. You know, it's, it's wonderful that Brother Packard had brought us back to Psalm 67. It's been used to challenge and motivate many a young person in college to say, I must be part of that great wave that is going into the world to finish the job that Jesus has commissioned us to do. But we can't do it without meditating on God's blessings to us. We cannot just spend it on ourselves. Some of you may have this filled out. You might have to take it home and say, I'm not ready. I want to bring it back again tonight. And I think they would let you do that. If you filled it out too quickly, some of you have not had an opportunity to fill it out yet. Some of you may be prepared. But the question may be, how much should I put on this? And there are some guidelines here. It ought to be above your tithe. It ought to be above your offerings. This is a commitment of the blessings of God upon you and your family to do that. That the world may be able to worship him. 
And you might say, well, what would I put in there? What's a figure? Where where do I start? Well, let me give you another quote from C.S. Lewis. I, I love this one. Do I believe one can settle how much we ought to give? The only safe rule, C.S. Lewis says, is to give more than we can spare. I like that. Sing a hymn today, Psalm 67. God blesses us, Selah, meditate on that, think about it. Get excited about the world and that God is going to call worshipers from around the world to his throne. We sung about that this morning. And praise him. And then bring the two together. Bring the two together, like verse 5. Let the peoples praise thee, O Lord. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses me, blesses my family, blesses my business. God blesses us in order that, in order that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Samuel Wesley, a grandson of Charles Wesley, wrote this hymn and reworked it and wrote these words. O God, to us show mercy and bless us in thy grace. Cause thou to shine upon us the brightness of thy face. That so thy way most holy on earth may soon be known, and unto every people thy saving grace be shown. O God, let all men praise thee, let all nations sing, in every land let praises and songs of gladness ring, for thou shalt judge the people in truth and righteousness, and the, uh, through the earth the nations shall thy just rule confess. O God, let people praise thee. Let all the nations sing. For earth in rich abundance to us her fruit shall bring. The Lord our God shall bless us, our God shall blessing send. And all the earth shall fear him to its remotest You have a responsibility to the nations. Whatever you have, the psalmist says you better reflect on that because it is from God. Give him thanks for that. But as you walk out of here today, you must also understand that it is a blessing. You do not deserve what you have. You do not deserve it. And you are a steward of it. You're a steward. And may God bless us that the nations may sing and rejoice. Let the nations be glad. Father, speak to us. We have so much.
Where do we begin to take on a stewardship of responsibility? We begin by hearing your passionate heart for the world. A heart that says all authority in heaven and earth is now mine because of the empty tomb. And I want you to go in and proclaim the good news of the gospel to every creature. And I will be with you to the end of the age. May those words resonate in our hearts today as they did in the disciples' hearts 2,000 years ago. To the honor and glory of your name. Amen.